Praise God. While there is a spirit of worship and faith, uh, I would ask you to pray. I just got a call a little short time ago this afternoon. man in my church uh, is waiting for me to call him back tonight. Doctors told him today his heart is all messed up. He has to have surgery. And he's waiting for an answer from the pastor. And I just, just didn't feel like calling until this congregation had a chance to touch God. I'm going to ask you to pray for a man by the name of Green in our church right now. Amen. Would you mind praying for a man in Longview, Texas? God, you are able. I ask you, oh, righteous God. Oh, Holy Father. Ah, God in your name. Let it please you tonight, God. Hallelujah. Would you also pray for Reverend Howard Payton, a massive heart attack in Illinois? Let's pray right now. I believe God's trying to tell us He wants to do some miracles even right here tonight. Amen. Father, in your name, hallelujah. Glory. That's this man. Hallelujah. May the will of Almighty God be done. Hallelujah. 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 While you're getting your Bible, I want to say thanks to all of my folks who've driven here from Longview who have to drive back tonight and go to work. And thank God for all of those that are in the church right now praying for their pastor and accessory prayer. And I want to acknowledge some good friends of mine, Pam and Brian Carroll from this city here, good friends of our family. And uh, I'm, I'm so glad to welcome them here to a real Pentecostal service. And I hope y'all like it so much that you'll just hang around here a while. And I'd sure like for you to get to know the Mangans. Amen. Glory. Oh, God, give somebody the Holy Ghost tonight. Amen. Give somebody the Holy Ghost tonight. Mm. The first 15 minutes of my message are 10. It's important that you get it. Let us begin reading tonight in the book of 2 Peter, the first chapter and the 16th verse. I want to join all of those who have fought, preceded me in saying, this meeting I has changed my life. I, that's not just saying it because somebody else said it. I promised along with you, you won't have the same pastor next weekend. I have repented. I have repented. I'm just being honest and open tonight. Oh, God, I got sick of myself when these men began to hold the mirror up and I saw things that shouldn't be there. Oh, God. And then something happened this afternoon, I want to tell you in a minute. First Peter 
or Second Peter, the first chapter and the 16th verse. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables. When we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of His majesty. Would you turn back to Philippians, the third chapter? The eighth verse, seventh verse. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in Him not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings, being made conformable unto His death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of, Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Today is different. Tomorrow, forgetting all those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. One more verse before you're seated. Acts, the first chapter. And most of you could quote this. Acts 1 and 8. Just a part of it. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you and ye shall be witnesses. Call this sermon whatever you want to, but if you want to give it any kind of a title, I just want to preach tonight. I want to seek after His glory until I become an eyewitness of His majesty whereby I may become a witness to this world that He lives. Would you pray right now? Father, in Your name. Hallelujah. 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 Amen, 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 amen. And everybody said, praise the Lord. You may be seated. When coming to this conference this week, I had a very unusual thing to happen to me. I had ministered this message some time ago, and yet I felt very impressed of the Lord that I would preach it. But God began to give me the introduction to the message, which was totally contrary to what my notes said. It just didn't fit. And God had given them to me. 
a, uh, soon as I got to this conference, God began to deal with me what he wanted me to say in the beginning of this message. And then it all came together this afternoon when uh, that spirit of prayer swept the place and people were praying. And, and in June 1957, something happened to me that changed the course of my life. It was at a little bitty uh, gathering, a little bitty building on the campground of Lufkin, Texas. And a missionary lady had come to speak to the youth group that day, and there wasn't but probably about 50 or 75 of us there. And Sister Freeman came and spoke. And that day she laid hands on me, and I felt the call of God of direction of my life. For since 1957, I have waited to try to tell her what happened. And God, every time I would ever approach her, the Lord would say, don't tell her now. And so I would back off. I have never spoken to her. I have never really talked to her. She's never preached in our church since I have been pastor there. And uh, finally today, the Lord said, now is the time. And so I went to her and I, I told her the story. And I said, I want you to pray for me. And she said, uh, sir, before I pray for you, I have a word from the Lord. For God spoke to me this afternoon and told me to give you a word. And uh, she said, uh, I would have looked you all across this building. I would have searched till I found you because you need to hear before you preach what I've got to say. And she just said, the Lord said not to worry that the fountain inside you or the well is not dry. But I have had to take away from you many things so that I could in return add to you what I need to add to you. And tonight there will come a new fresh anointing for I will take from the altar a coal of fire and reignite you with an anointing. Now that may not mean anything to you, but hold on just a minute. Ten years ago, uh, in the city of Longview, I pastored a very thriving, exciting church. We were on the move between four and five full-time staff members. Uh, the choir sat on the platform on Sunday night, chairs down the aisle. New church plans were being drawn up. Money was coming in. Everything was good. No problems. Nobody giving any trouble. Everything was totally perfect and fine. 1980, one Sunday morning, a man called me from Miami, Florida, and he said, Do you know what is on the front page of our paper? And I said, What? He said, They have listed the ten exciting growth cities of the future, and your city is listed number nine out of all America. And it was that we were going to be some phenomenal city. Exxon planned on building a, a plant, the world's largest, $5 billion plant, 35 miles from my city. General Motors had decided to build a car manufacturing plant that later went to Tennessee in our city. An industrial magazine said that we would rival the industrial belt of Germany in some years. Our church was running over. It looked like, man, all I had to do was set back. I was going to have a church simply by the move-ins. Uh, that didn't go over good, but anyway. I'm, I'm talking about myself right now. And I said, man, this, this is going to be great. 
And he, the thing's growing, packed out, running over. Everything is good. The economist says it's going to survive. And everything, magazine, newspaper, man, we are on the map. And while in the midst of a building program in April of 1984, two months from completion, our bank folded. Practically every bank in our city has gone under. It was when we moved in that new building that something happened. We lost our sense of direction and people started backsliding like it was the proper thing to do. I had, uh, nobody likes to say this, but I had almost as many deciding to quit and decide that, hey, we, we just don't, uh, we don't care for it anymore. And we just decided we want to uh, move on or quit or whatever. Not only that, but 60% of our congregation in the next few months, their income was cut between 30 and 50 percent. Since then, every family in our church has suffered some kind of defeat. But I said all that to say this. It was during these years that something began to happen in my heart. Something began to say, I must know him better than I have ever known him in all of my life. That if I attain and I gain everything, that seems to be great. If I build a church and fill it up and those people do not know Christ, I have not accomplished anything. And something began to stir in my heart. Something began to cry out. I want to know Him. I want to behold His majesty. I would have become an eyewitness of His glory. I would have moved in the realm of the supernatural. I want something to happen. And it was during this time that I began to see in the Scripture. In 1914, there came a tremendous revelation of the mighty God in Christ sweeping across this country. But there is a revelation that has yet to dawn upon the Pentecostals. And that is the revelation of Christ in you, the hope of glory. Something has got to get in us of who this is and who we are and what we know and what our responsibility is, it must happen to us. Glory. During this time, three years ago, young man prayed through in our church. I'll get going here in a minute, maybe. And the young man prayed through. And he came in and told us. He said, I really don't know much about my background. He said, my mother says that I'm some kind of uh, royalty uh, from some country. He said, uh, I've never seen my dad. He left us when, we were, when I was two years old. I do not know him. And we just kind of put it on the back shelf. So a few months ago, phone call came through. And it said, we have been trying to locate you and asking you to board a plane and fly to Bangkok, Thailand. Your father is near death. The boy and his wife boarded the plane and flew there. When he got back, he told me the story of who he was or who he is. He brought the pictures of all the family and, and the funeral and all and the dignitaries that were there. And he said, Pastor, I am the fourth generation grandson of the farmer king of Siam. And he brought all the papers to prove it. The thing that I'm saying, here was a boy who had royalty in his veins and did not even know who he was or the authority and the power that rested inside of him. Sometimes God has no other choice than to 
away from us whereby we may find out who we are and the authority and the glory of what we have to do in our generation. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory. It was in, Brother Timmy mentioned it today, it's in the fourth chapter of Luke that Jesus went into the wilderness and Satan went in to give him a hard time. And so it was, the devil knew that he could not destroy the Son of God. He tried that in Bethlehem, less than two years old, and he wasn't able to do it. He used the only thing that there was a possibility he thought that he could... To stop the plan of God. He tried to put a question mark in the mind of Jesus. And he just said, if thou be the Son of God. If thou be. He knew that he was wrestling with flesh. And somehow he thought to inject in flesh the question. I'm not sure of who I am. I'm not sure of my position and my authority and my power. The devil can only defeat this church when we get it in our mind we're not sure who we are we're not sure who our father is we're not sure what our destiny is but something is happening in the land there is a revelation of the mighty God in us hallelujah hallelujah oh yes amen praise God pardon me it is that when Luke 4 and 1, and the Bible said, And Jesus went in the wilderness full of the Holy Ghost. Everybody say, full of the Holy Ghost. Full, that's all you can get when it's full, it's full. He went in full of the Holy Ghost. Verse 14 of the same chapter says, But he returned in the power of the Spirit. Verse 32 said, And he astonished them at his doctrine, for his word was with power. Hallelujah. Somewhere the question was settled. Somewhere flesh took on the understanding that this is the mighty work of Almighty God. This is the sovereign work of God. God let it go on us tonight. This is the sovereign work of Almighty God. And we have been chosen to present to the world Jesus Christ all over again. Hallelujah. It was in that time that the devil kept questioning Jesus and kept saying, If thou be the Son of God. And he would come back and say, But it is written. It's settled, boy. There's no use for you to uh, get all shook up about it. It is settled. Hallelujah. There's no debate about it. I'm going to tell you tonight, the church cannot be defeated by hell. It can only be defeated when a question mark gets in our mind that we're not sure who we are. If we really have the authority, if we really have the power, but in this last day, there's going to come a revelation to us of God inside of us reconciling the flesh and the spirit together to do the will of Almighty God. Hallelujah. 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 The world still needs a visible representative of Almighty God. That's what Jesus was. He was a visible representative of the glory of God. This world doesn't need another judge. 
They don't need a jury. They don't need a prosecuting attorney. They need an eyewitness. They need somebody that can say, I know who my father is. Amen. I know who I am. And I'm convinced and believe, hallelujah, in the authority. The world demands and deserves. They deserve more than a forerunner. They deserve more than another prophet. They deserve a visible representative of God in the flesh. That's where you and I come in. Hallelujah. We are not just objects. We are intended to be to this world the visible representative of God to this world that men can say he still lives. But too many times we take the position that Jesus Christ refused to take while he was on the earth. He refused to be a judge. He said, I'm here now as a savior. And if I become a judge now, then the world will have two judges. One now and one at judgment and they'll never have a savior. If the church loses its desire and loses its vision, we're going to become judges and prosecuting attorneys and the world will pass this way and meet two judges and never meet a savior. But if something can happen to the church, if our revelation and knowledge of who we are, the world will meet a resurrected Messiah in the form of individuals. Glory. Glory. Hallelujah. Oh, glory. I tell you what, there's a move of the Holy Ghost in this place. I feel anointed. I'm wiping my face with an anointed handkerchief that the staff and Brother Mangan prayed over. I'm standing here tonight anointed by preachers from last night. I'm standing here anointed again by Sister Freeman. Hallelujah. I don't come with a hammer tonight. I come to tell you, if you're going through loss, if when you get back home, you still got some devils. If it don't ring the way this does, if it's not as exciting, then I tell you one thing to do. Find your place. Draw you a line. And say, I may not know it tomorrow, but I'm going to try to apprehend something. I'm going to seek after one thing. I'm going to reach for it. I'm going to desire it. I'm going to know it. I'm going to know it. I'm going to know it. Paul said, I haven't apprehended it, but I'm still chasing it. I'm still reaching for it. I don't stand here tonight and tell you I've gotten there. But I'm standing here tonight and tell you I'm running with everything i got. I'm reaching for it. Brother Cisco, I'm going to touch it. Amen. Don't tell me that my God made himself visible to this world and would treat me less than what he treated that world that didn't care for him. If I pursue him, if I seek after him, he will make himself known unto me. I will see him and know him and his majesty and his glory through signs and wonders and miracles in our day. 
God has always used three major tools. His spirit, his word, and his man. And he still operates that way. Once God commits something, he don't back up. The gifts and callings are without repentance. Amen. When God committed to Adam, he said, boy, you fouled up. But I will not withdraw the authority that was given to man. Somewhere, somebody else will come along that'll do it right. And Genesis 1 and 2 said, And the Spirit of God moved on the face of the water. Genesis 1 and 3 said, And God said, The Spirit prepared it. The Word produced it. But verse 26, Not until there was a man to preserve what the Spirit had willed and the Word had produced not until there was an anointed man to carry the will of the Father. This man, Adam, read it when you get home. But the Bible said he gave him all authority over the sea, over the air, and on every living thing on the face of the earth. Let me jump to the end of my message. Y'all just sitting there too quiet. I'm going to tell you what. Someday, Brother Barn, the church is going to realize. And we're going to take that authority and say, I have power over things in the earth, on the earth, and above the earth. Amen. We have that right. We have that authority. Hallelujah. Someday, we're going to see His majesty. And when we do, hallelujah, the world's going to know we're passing by. Glory. Adam was a man who heard the voice of God and who walked with God. He heard, he saw, he felt, and he fumbled the ball. But God did not cast aside his confidence. Amen. Brother, you and I was going to get you to read. Just skip over that Isaiah 59. Amen. One writer said, Isaiah 59 and 16, that God sought and there was no intercessor. But therefore his arm would bring salvation and righteousness. No man to lead men back to God. So God planned the ultimate. He planned the ultimate anointed one. And John 1 and 1 says, In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And the Word became flesh. The Spirit willed it. The Word produced it. And the body of Jesus Christ became the anointed one to bring salvation to this world. Amen. Anointed one. Glory. Hallelujah. But Isaiah 59 and 21 don't only stop there. But he said it will not only start with him, but it said, and his seeds, seeds, seed. Hallelujah. The authority will never pass out from there. Hey, you are begotten of the Spirit. Your Father is Almighty God. Therefore, if Jesus spoke with authority, Therefore, if Jesus acted with authority, what's wrong with the church? If we are the begotten of the Father, but hold on, one of these days, somebody is going to catch a glimpse of His Majesty. Amen. Somebody is going to behold His glory. Somebody. Somewhere. Somehow. 
Oh, hallelujah. Glory. He still respects that authority. In, in, in 2 Corinthians 5 and 20, he said, if I'm get an ambassador, I can transact business on this earth. But God has so resolved himself from the first chapter of Genesis that he will not do business on this earth as long as there is a representative here to do the bidding for him. Did you notice the Bible never does say pray for the devil to be cast out of somebody? It just said cast him out. Cast him out. You have the authority. You've got the power. It's in you. But you got to know it. There can't be a question there. There can't be a question there. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I said there can't be a question there. There's got to be a solid answer. I'm more convinced of this oneness message now than I ever have been before. Why? Because I've been chasing His majesty. I've been reaching for it. I've been trying to know Him. And the closer I get to Him, the more I understand who He is, His name, His authority, His power, and He has transferred that to us. Hallelujah. In Deuteronomy, the fifth chapter, I believe it is, Israel came to Moses. And this is what they said. We don't want to hear his voice anymore. He said, you talk to him from now on. And you tell us. Because we're scared of it. Don't let us hear it no more. But oh God, a few generations removed. And we're saying, Lord, would you show us? Your glory. Would you show us your glory, Lord? Hallelujah. And when God got a man, when God got a Moses, but if you want to if you want to read something to blow your mind, read what I saw the other day in the scripture. You talk about a mass healing. There's a there's a healing that happens in Exodus that'll supersede anything that happened in the New Testament church. When God had a man by the name of Moses, he stepped down there and he said, All right, we're fixing to get out of here in a few hours. Put a little blood here, here, here. Amen. Eat the lamb. Get ready to get out of here. 400 years in slavery. 400 years beaten like dogs. 400 years treated like criminals. 400 years of arthritis. 400 years of crippled and diseased. 400 years of eyes being beaten out from being treated like a slave. 400 years of crippled and defeated. But the Bible said that night, at midnight, when they left Egypt, the Bible said there was not a feeble one among them. Amen. Hallelujah. When God has got a man. When God has got a man. When God has got a man. He can do the unexplainable. He can do. Hallelujah. Not a feeble one among them. They get to a Red Sea. Seas never roll back. But one, can I say it like you, one dude, hallelujah, walked out there. Amen. It don't sound right when I say it. 
One man walked out there with an anointing. He knew who he was. Hallelujah. I said he knew who he was. He found a burning bush on the backside of a desert. There was no question as to who he was. He walked into Pharaoh's palace and he said, boy, I've come here to tell you something. Amen. I've come here to tell you something. Oh, yes, I have. Glory. We have official titles all through the Bible. They're called patriarchs, deliverers, servants, priests, judges, prophets, kings, disciples, apostles, evangelists, pastors, teachers, shepherds. But he said before he left here, I'm going to make you a witness. Hallelujah. I'm going to make you a witness. A witness is somebody who can stand on the stand and say, I saw it. I know it. I know who he is. I have no doubt about it. Oh, hallelujah. I'm convinced. I know it. Hallelujah. Now, I may not get anybody up on the next one, but I'm going to tell you what. Jesus, the Bible said, Brother Born, went in the wilderness full of the Holy Ghost. And he came out of the wilderness still full of the Holy Ghost, but in the power and the Spirit. Acts 1 and 8 said, You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Oh, hallelujah. I, I dare not dwell on that one too long. But I just want to tell you, I don't believe you get all the power just when you talk in tongues a little bit. I know it wouldn't get many up, but there has to be a divine revelation. There has to be a divine anointing for the power to come. There's got to be, hallelujah, a divine intervention. It's got to be. And something is happening in Alexandra this week. There's a divine intervention of the Spirit. Amen. Glory. 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 You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. The Holy Ghost is the Spirit that produced the visible representative of God to this world. For the angel said, that which is overshadowed you is of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. But now hold on. He was promised. He was born. And at 12 years old, he pulled one of the the most outstanding things you've ever seen in life. They took him into the temple. Said, ask you a question. Boy, he just zapped him. He just put them out. He'd say, okay, sir, next. They would stand up and come with that long philosophy. And here was a little boy standing on an apple cart. Great. Amen. Hallelujah. Twelve years old. He was astounding everybody. Everybody was just saying, wow. Wow. Did you hear that? Man, did you hear that? But it's amazing. 
when he displayed the wisdom, the infinite knowledge of Almighty God, I find no record where one person was converted. But when he came out of the wilderness, remember he was born full of the Holy Ghost. He went in the wilderness full of the Holy Ghost. But when he came out, Brother Lumpkin, he came out in the power of the Spirit. And a few verses said, and he began to do wonders. And there began to be amazement. And the city began to turn out. And he walked in the synagogue and he said, all right, boys, today's the day. From now on, the poor have the gospel preached. The blind are going to see. The lame is going to walk. Because I've come with the anointing. I've come with the power. I've come with the sanction. I've got it. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I don't mean to shake anybody's theology. It's not what I'm trying to do tonight. If yours survived last night, you can survive what I'm saying. Amen. Glory. Now I want you to know, my friend, it's not enough for us Pentecostals to just talk in tongues and run the aisles a little bit and jig and shout. We better find somewhere to have a revelation of Almighty God and the power that worketh in us. Or we're going to offer to this world not a Savior, nothing but a judge. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hey, friend, your deep intellect, and I'm not just trying to dwell on the subject, but your deep intellect, if he couldn't sway them at 12 with his knowledge, we'll never do it with ours. If nobody got converted when a 12-year-old boy preached, and shut the mouth of every scoffer in the crowd. Honey, we're not going to do it with a jig and a shout and loud music or screaming preachers or running the aisle. Somebody better become an eyewitness of His Majesty. Somebody, somebody better reach after it. Somebody better want to know Him. Somebody in this crowd better go home and say, Hey, I've got the Holy Ghost. I've been baptized in Jesus' name, but I'm not satisfied where I am or what I'm doing. I'm going to try to apprehend Him that I may know Him, that I may know Him, that I may know Him, that I may know Him. Matthew, the 16th chapter, I'm trying to hurry along. Matthew, the 16th chapter, Caesarea Philippi, a very religious city. Fourteen temples to Baal in that one city. The Greek called it the home of their god called Pan, which was the god of nature. The Jewish people loved it because the source of the Jordan River was there round about. In Caesarea Philippi, the Romans had a temple built to Caesar, who they considered divine and holy. It was into that city, and among temples, and among idols, an unknown, penniless, homeless boy from Nazareth turned around and said, Who am I? He went to the seat of religion. And nobody could bring the answer. And some of his own followers said, uh, Well, uh, I, I don't know. I, I heard 
you were Elias and somebody said you were Jeremiah and somebody just said one of the prophets and finally he looked over at one old boy and he just kind of probably shuffled his feet in the sand and, and he said alright Simon who am I and he, he said well nobody else is going to say it he said thou art the Christ the son of the living God and you know what Jesus said somebody's been talking to you somebody's been talking to you you've been visited with somebody he said my father which is in heaven has revealed this to you my God hey preachers I'm wondering what would happen in our congregations I wonder what would happen in our revivals what would happen in our meetings if somebody can stand and say I know him and I have a word from the Lord thus saith the word of almighty God hallelujah Many looked at him, but few have seen him. They saw his shadow. They saw his people. They heard his story. They heard his name. But very few have looked through the fog of confusion and are able to say, I know him. I know him. I know him. This is not deep, but uh, it's a little new to me anyway. Brother Tenney, when Jesus asked Simon that question, notice what happened. And, and, and he said, who am I? And Simon said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus did an odd thing. And he said, and thou art Simon. Glory. And he said, on this rock, I'm going to build the church. What rock? That you know me, and I know you. And on this revelation, hallelujah, on this understanding... I'm going to tell you tonight, honey, we're not in this thing by ourselves. He knows who we are. He knows who we are. He knows who we are. Glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah. I want to tell you to not know him costs more than it does to know him. As Judas. As Judas. Glory. We need some men who are eyewitnesses of His Majesty, not just have received the Holy Ghost. We have ministers and saints and counselors and administrators and organizers and seminar leaders and teachers and powerful speakers. But we need a personal confrontation with the Almighty. We've got to have that. A light must be seen. A voice must be heard. Something must happen to change us from just a tongue talker into a person of divine revelation and understanding. Something has got to happen. If Jesus Christ had to come out of the wilderness endowed with power to shake his generation, Brother Kilgore will never move our generation until some of us come out of the wilderness with power. Oh God, I'm, I'm trying to hurry up. Hallelujah. Somebody else's story is not good enough. I'll tell you what happened when, when everything went, went wrong in Longview. 
I began to say, God, I'm tired of telling stories that used to happen when I preached revivals for Brother Kilgar. I'm, I'm tired of ha- hearing just what happened to Brother Bourne up there when I preached for him or, or hearing, amen, I want to have a personal encounter with you. I'm not trying to brag tonight, but we've got pep talks and lectures and sermons and homilies and everything else. But we need somebody to stand and say, I have heard from God, and thus saith the voice of Almighty God. I saw your drama. I liked every part of it. Sister Ewins, there's only one part that I disagree with, and I understand you have to do it this way. It's not bad. But I don't believe you could have picked Judas out of the crowd. He blended so well. Nobody ever knew. The disciples didn't even know. Mm-hmm. Oh. You see, but something happens when a man does not have a relationship with a master. He had seen Jesus, but he did not know him. He had heard him, but he didn't understand him. He had a religion, but he had no relationship. And when the devil needed a man, he needed somebody who could recognize Jesus, but yet really didn't know who he was. Oh, it's getting a little quiet right now. I thought this service tonight would go in orbit, and I'm sure it will when Brother Stone King gets up here and closes the thing out because that's the way God wants us to go home. But I'm going to tell you something. He knew the empire, but he never knew the man. And, Ju- and the devil needed a man who knew the actions of Jesus, who knew where he was going to be, but who missed out on the mission. I'm telling you where he is. He's in an upper room. I'm telling you where he's going to be playing after a while. I've been around him long enough. I know his actions. I know where he is. But Judas, you don't know him. It costs you if you don't know him. Ask Judas. It costs him everything. And the Bible says if they would have known who the Lord of glory was, they would not have crucified him. But he was in their city. He was in their streets. And they did not know him. He healed their sick. He raised their dead. And nobody called his majesty. Oh, God, I don't mean to sound negative. But could it be that he walks through our congregations time after time and we got our sleeves right and we got our hair right and we got the boxes right and we got all of that right but we don't have enough personal relationship with him enough that when he passes by we even recognize he's walked in the room but somebody who's feeling after him says wait just a minute I believe he's here amen I believe he's here hey master I want to know you wait a minute wait a minute tell me something about you let me bow at your feet let me see who you are I've got to know you I must know you for myself I can't know it for the past generation I've got to know it fresh anew I have got to have a revelation And when there is no revelation, there can be no repentance. 
two men. Judas never knew him. He died lost. Simon made one of the biggest blunders ever made. Glory. But because he knew who he was, repentance was his. Can I stop right now and just say, and it won't be taken out of context and y'all won't ride me out on the rail, but there's a lot of Pentecostal people. If you could have a revelation of God and His will and work in your heart and life, you talk about some guilt clouds would lift off of some of our saints. Well, maybe nobody here. Maybe I missed it. But I'll say it again. I pastored and preached long enough to know one of the biggest things we battle in the service is the saints living under condemnation because the devil keeps coming in and saying, If thou be, if thou be, if thou be, if thou be, if thou be. Hallelujah, hallelujah. At a youth camp one night, Brother Barnes stood up. It was years ago, Brother Barnes, and you stood up and, and you said, God is not as worried as much about the sin as He is that people are scared to ask Him to forgive them. When there is no revelation. But He cannot handle when you don't know Him. That's right. Hallelujah. Oh, God, we need a total touch. I'm trying to hurry and close. Moses had a burning bush. Samuel heard a divine voice. Elijah met on a mountain with God. Fire burned in Jeremiah. Isaiah saw the Lord. John was in the Spirit. Paul was caught into the third heaven. And Peter said, it's joy, unspeakable and full of glory. Thomas said, show us. Mary ran from the garden saying, I saw him. The disciples on the road said, our hearts burned within us. And John said, we saw him and we beheld the majesty. We beheld his glory. We beheld it all. Hallelujah. So, let me close out in long view. And I hope nobody judges me wrong for doing this. But within the last three years, I've seen more visible miracles happen in our church than I have in my entire ministry added together. And it didn't make sense until Sister Freeman, you said. And I've got folks here all over this building tonight. But I want to tell you, you can't make them live for God. You can't force it to them. And about five years ago, God started saying, preach to them me. And for five years, I have preached Jesus over and over again. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm telling you what happened in Longville. So don't go home and say, uh, A.D. said do this. But I, I, took, I, took, I took the judgmental law and laid it aside for a while. Oh, God. Please don't let me go too long. I laid it all aside. And I said, all right, God, it's just me and you now. I don't have a staff. I don't have a choir now that can do a whole lot. It's just me and you. 
And the Lord seemed to say, I've been wanting to do this for a long time. I've been wanting to do this for a long time. Oh, and I didn't know it, Sister Freeman, until today. He had to take everything away from me until I could become infatuated with one thing. I will not build a church because others move in. I will not build a church simply because my economy is good. I must build a church where men come face to face and have a relationship and an encounter with Almighty God. I have to become a witness, a witness, a witness. I've got to see it. I've got to know it. And this is going to shock you. This is going to tear a lot of your theology up. Most of our miracles that have happened in Longview have happened with nobody laying hands on anybody. And some of my folks are here. And Mike, you're over there. You know what I'm talking about. Hallelujah. Amen. You know how it happened? And God began to try to tell me something. And I'm not sure I got it all right. I'm going to be honest with you. But the Lord seemed to say, too many times, y'all get in praise and you never get in worship. There is a difference. Praise can be offered from a long distance off. But worship has to be directed to one particular thing. Trees can praise Him. Rocks can praise Him. Everything can praise Him. But only, only human beings can worship Him. Amen. Oh, God. And when we worship Him, we are ushered into the avalanche of the miraculous. We are ushered into the avalanche of His glory. So I said, God, God, don't look like you're going to help me out of this situation. So, God, I'm not going to be able to depend on saints moving in. So I'm going to have to do the rough thing. I'm going to have to get me some losers. I'm going to have to get me some people that everybody else has given up on. I said, I'm going to have to get somebody, some people that everybody else says, they ain't worth nothing Stand up, Garden Pole. Hallelujah. A drug dealer in Texas Correctional Institute. Stand up, Forrest. In a hospital, his brain fried so the doctors wouldn't even go in the room. And they said, he'll never be sane. Where are you, Bobby? Called him one night in the middle of the night. And I said, you're sitting there with a gun in your hand. You're fixing to kill yourself. And he said, you're right. These three men will verify in our church. I picked up some losers. I picked up some losers. I picked up some losers. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory. Somebody, somebody better have a revelation. Or we're going to pass the poor. We're going to pass the needy. And all we're going to want is growth off of one another. 
came on Pentecost. It's time we quit growing off of one another and started having a revelation that brings the glory, that brings the power, that brings the miraculous, that causes the lame to walk and the blind to see. Hallelujah. I'll tell you what it's done. It has shaken a lot of our church. And boy, we picked up some losers, Brother Kilgore. But God's made some winners out of them. Those three men are here because they feel a call of God on their life. They're trying to seek after the will of Almighty God. When they prayed through, people told me they won't last a day. But I didn't have any other choice. GM decided not to come. Exxon decided not to come. The oil industry went bottom. Brother McGuire, you know what I'm talking about. You're 19 miles away from me. Amen. Everything went wrong. Oh, when I began to pursue after him, when I began to say, maybe there's something you want to show me. Maybe there's something you want to do. I preached it to the church over and over. They began to catch the view of it. Hallelujah. Oh, I don't, I hope y'all don't think I'm bad when I tell you we've had the age patience to get the Holy Ghost in our church. I didn't have any other choice. I didn't have any other choice. Just losers. But let me tell you this in closing. In one service one night, as the church began to break into worship, Brother Bourne, maybe you can explain this to me. Every time the church would worship again, another miracle would happen. And I never walked out of the audience and laid hands on anybody. I saw the cripple walk that night. I saw blind eyes open. Deaf ears were unstopped. Incurable disease confirmed by the doctor was healed that night. My own daughter here was scheduled in a few days for surgery. God healed her that night. And she's never had anything. Amen. I'm here to tell you tonight. The story spread. And then one day, into our church, came a little family. And I said, how are you folks? And they, they could only speak a few words in English because they were from old Mexico. And they said, we heard that some miracles were taking place here. This is our granddaughter. We have driven from Mexico. Would you pray for her? It was in a day or two I picked up the phone and a lady said, Sir, are you the man that can heal by laying on hands? Do you heal with your hands? I thought it was a joke. I started to just laugh. I thought it was somebody pulling a big joke on me, Brother Fuller. I said, oh, No, you, you, yeah, that's just... Then I heard her voice, and it trembled. She 
She said, sir, I don't know you. I don't know your church. I don't know anything about what you believe. I'm dying with cancer. And somebody told me. I don't even know that they go to your church. I just heard it. That if I could get your hands to lay on me, I would be healed. Sad thing about it, I'm afraid I lost her. She never came because I thought it was a joke. Since that time, we have sent handkerchiefs out and have had marvelous miracles reported. Am I right, fellas? Two years ago, when I was scheduled to preach here because of the times, you're aware that I was called away. Girl in my church rushed to Dallas. They called me and said, get here quick. Possibly her and the baby both is going to die. Doctor says it's serious. I drove as fast as I could, my wife and I. We walked into the room. She looked at me and she said, All right, Pastor, tell me what. She said, If you say it's going to be all right, it's going to be all right. I said, It's going to be all right. She looked at her husband and said, All right, tell the doctor, let's proceed. Boy, it was hard to break the news to her when it was over with. But the baby, by being born premature, its legs had turned out. And its feet was not right. And in a few months when it struggled to get up, its heels, or rather its ankles, is what touched the floor first. God is wanting to tell somebody in this building something that he wants to do a miracle. But I still kept holding on that I'd heard from God. It was a few nights ago at the close of a Sunday night service. Oh, I don't know whether that couple is here. Is Melanie and Joel here in the crowd anywhere? Does anybody know? Amen. If they have Jared here, hallelujah. Amen. Maybe not. But anyway, that Sunday night, after the close of a service and the Holy Ghost was moving, somebody made a mistake by putting the baby on the floor around the altar. Well, they like to foul it up because when they put it on the floor, its feet snapped in place and the baby started walking across the floor. Kilgore. But I'm going to tell you now, the economy's still bad. I got men here tonight that make $3 an hour and have a family. We're still not on top financially. But I'll tell you what, I'd rather have what we're having now than have the bank full of money because the blind are seeing. The losers are finding God and hope is coming for the lost and they're getting the Holy Ghost. Somebody! has got to be an eyewitness of His Majesty.